And you're very welcome back. 51551, that is our text number. Now, our guests this morning in studio, they've committed their lives to something that uh, we all enjoy, but we probably take for granted. And sometimes it's under threat. It's been learning all the time. The printed word, the beauty of the printed word. Harry Havlin and Freddie Snow, uh, good morning to you both. Uh, you're both involved in the National Print Museum in Dublin, where you they share your skills and your stories from a life in the craft. And there's also they're also among the many printers whose experiences are captured in this new book, which I'm looking at here. Um, it's called Strange Types and Odd Sorts, which will be launched today. And as we'd expect, and it would have to be, it's a, it's obviously a gorgeous printed publication. Um, it has to be. It has to be. Harry, actually, I'm going to start with you. Tell us about the National Print Museum, what goes on there and what you do there, Harry Havlin. The National Print Museum has a big collection of old technology printing equipment. Mm. Now, this is equipment that would have been used in the past before computerization. And in the 1970s and 80s, when technology was changing, right. some people decided that it was a good, it would be a good idea to try and save this equipment for the future. So uh, some of the equipment was stored in the headquarters of the union in 35 Law Gardner Street, but that was no longer, you know, suitable. And eventually, through the good offices of Bertie Ahern and a few other people, they got the old garrison chapel in Beggar's Bush up there on Haddington Road. And in 1996, President Mary McAleese opened the National Print Museum and it's been there ever since. It's a working museum, open every day except Monday. And you can go in there and see old printing equipment as uh, used in the past, typesetting equipment, printing equipment, proofing equipment uh, and ruling machines and so on. And... uh, We have open days as well when all the machines are working and people can see the hot metal being uh, turned into lines of type and so on. The beauty of printing goes on. But more more importantly, along with all the machines, you have the the living historians, which are yourselves as volunteers. Is that right, Freddie? That's that's correct, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Will you give us a sense of, let's go back to the printing apprenticeships and how kind of important that was to you, especially when you were growing up in in your own family? Well, I come from a family... A very strong printing background mm. going back my grandfather my uncles my aunts the only thing was my father wasn't a printer and this caused a problem because at the time and I started in 62 my brother started a year older than me in 61 as an apprentice sure. you had your father if your father was a printer you had a better chance of getting into the clothes shop as an apprentice right? Oh, right. and then it was open to the general public right uh, and it was difficult to get an apprenticeship. Three boys, as I said in the book, you three boys would be nominated. And the family connection was very important. Right. So my mom, my mother, strong-willed woman, uh, was determined her sons were going to be printers like the rest of the family. Yeah. And in my case, she ended up going into Gardner Street, which is the headquarters of the union. Saw Nicky McGrath, who was the general secretary of the DTPS, the union, and said, printer sons get first choice. After that, it's printer's grandsons. And I want my son, Freddie, fixed up. Then you can open it up to anybody you like as long as he gets his apprenticeship. She spent the whole day. And she, and she sat in and she said, I'm not leaving here. That evening, and she sat in the front hall, the front hall for the whole day. And that evening, when Nicky was trying to lock up the building for the evening, he said, Lily, please, will you go home? Oh, I'm not going up to do this. You agree? And he said, all right, OK, go on, go home. It's sorted. Yeah, it's yeah. sorted. And that, <laughs> so was, the, that was the beginning of the step then. It's hugely important. Your grandfather was a stone man. That's in the, right, uh, in the independence. Stone man. stone man. I'm a printer, a machine man. I put mm. ink on paper. 
Harry and the rest of the guys that comes and there's great crack between the two sides. I, as an apprentice or a printer, I could not touch type on the machine. Oh, Even right. though I was printing with the slightest thing, I'd have to go and get somebody from the case room, Harry or somebody else, and they'd come into the machine hall and they'd lord it over everybody. They'd walk <laughs> in, these guys or whatever. The simplest of tasks. So, and there's a huge difference. All this demarcation was always there between the printer and the... The hierarchy. The hierarchy, yeah. Um, you mentioned the case room. Harry, you're in the case room. Can you, can you bring us into the case room? What was it like walking in there? The case room, I started in the Irish Press case room in 1964 and it was so busy. I mean, they had 27 linotype machines in the case room. It was noisy, full of activity, compositors, stone men, readers, journalists rushing all over the place. It was that the whole thing was to get the paper out on time. There were deadlines for the papers. The morning Irish press had to be off the stone around 12.15 a.m. The evening press, the evening paper had to be off the stone around 11.30 p, uh, 30 a.m. Off the stone the ca- being, it's, it's on the paper. Off the stone, ready to go to the press, on, the, press. Pre- yeah. on the press and going out the back door in bales to be collected by the vans and taken to the trains and that sort of thing. The Freddy yeah, Snows yeah. coming off the stone. Uh, and it's obviously a very noisy place. Very noisy, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my my ears are still damaged from it. <laughs> Even Are you serious? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. It was permanent noise, permanent noise all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the the, and it comes through in the book. Um, you know, the kind of the smells, the vocabulary of the printing. It's like a, it's almost evocative of what feels like a, a Dickensian, you know, imagery of what it was like to put all this stuff together. Uh, but there, there was good crack in it. Great crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had been like that. Like that. That old system had been in operation for many, many years, and then it came all really in a very short period of time it came to a shuddering stop in the late 70s early 80s with the arrival of new technology just before we cut to the shuddering stop because I'm still really fascinating about just the atmosphere in that room there's something called the knockdown what, what's oh, the yeah, knockdown and yeah. why would that be happening yeah. the knockdown the knockdown is a traditional uh, appreciation of an apprentice finishing his apprenticeship yeah. and also somebody getting married or whatever oh, yeah, yeah. Um, what that would be would be uh, the final day to be a little presentation to a guy or whatever and all the staff the, the craftsmen would all gather in a particular area particularly in the case room or in the case of the machine the big clanking you'd, room you'd, you'd, that you'd grab a in. spanner or a hammer or anything and the nearest thing that would make noise and you just start banging 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 and, so uh, is this a, a huge salute a huge salute press now you always noise. knew the esteem the person was held in, how long it lasted, is that right? and how loud it was. Some guys, boom, 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 or whatever. Others, uh, when Mary Marr was returning from the Irish Times, the journalist from the Irish Times, Maeve Binchy came in with her for the president, and I invited her down to the press hall. I was driving the press at the time in yeah. there, and for to start up the press, which was a great honour for somebody outside the craft to get that honour. Oh, really? And we, Welcomed her when she came in. She was a great character and Maeve was sitting over the corner and we gave her a traditional knockdown or whatever. Brilliant. And that went down. It was, and Maeve, when we were finished and all that, Maeve said to me, it's on the way out, she says, you know, she says, the hairs were standing up in the back of my neck. She says, I've never heard anything as emotional in my life with that with that, this knockdown. Sometime later... For an outsider. And yeah, outsider. Obviously. Sometime later... If, if an envelope arrived in for me and what it was was from Mary and it was a photograph of uh, the, uh, of an actor Maybe, standing oh. at the stone and he was the sub-editor right? 
and he's standing there and he's telling the compositors, the sub-editor told the compositors what to do. He couldn't touch the type, right? Right. And she sent this thing in to me and she says, Freddie, thank you so much. I will never, ever forget. That was the greatest knock-up I ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the knock-up. Okay, I corrected yeah. her arm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I hope was within the union rules to yeah, correct was, the, the yeah. spell check yeah. and everything else. So the glory days, you were talking about, just Harry, just before I interrupted you, before the, uh, the, the kind of where it comes to an end, but the glory days are kind of 1960s, 70s. How many printing presses, how, how huge was printing in Dublin in this era? Huge. Well, in, in there's a... There was a, an advertisement uh, in the Irish press in 1963 mm-hmm. put in by the print union. And if you look at that, I think there's 101 printing houses in that. Some big, some small, some tiny. But looking back now, that's, what, 60 years ago now. There's only two of those still uh, the Irish Times and the Independent, the rest are all gone. Yeah. You know, now the def- Defence Forces still have their printing press up, up in St. Brickens Hospital, and but all of the other printing places are gone. They just com- wiped Companies it. had, like CIE had their own printing press. Yeah, a lot of them had. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Guinness, yeah. Dublin, Castle, everyone. So it, yeah. it, it was a huge, huge thing with huge obviously thing. massive numbers of people involved as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, strange Times and Odd Times. The, the book itself is a collaboration between the Print Museum yourselves and Fighting Words, which is a charity which was set up by Roddy Doyle, who's on the phone. Good morning to you, Roddy Doyle. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? And we'll come to Fighting Words in a minute because I'm fascinated about that um, charity, which doesn't get half enough coverage, Roddy, despite all, all the coverage you give it. But uh, you actually have a very personal connection, don't you, to the history of printing in Dublin? Yeah, my father was a printer. He was a compositor. And uh, so a lot of, I've just been listening to the two lads there and a lot of what they're saying sounds familiar to me because my father was full of those stories, full of the noise and the the smells and the uh, the dignity and all the all the aspects of the job. And he was uh, heavily involved in the unions as well. Well, you caught me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he was um, not so much the printing union as the he he went on to become a teacher of compositing and and graphic design. Uh-huh. And, and many of the men in and in the book actually were taught by him. So uh, but he was involved, and in, I think, according to himself anyway, in the setting up of the TUI, the Teachers' Union of Ireland, because um, the technical teachers weren't being admitted into the ASDI. Yeah, and actually we just heard um, uh, Freddie telling us about you know, the access to the apprenticeship and the family connections being um, so important, because I think your dad yeah. did have a, was involved in bringing changes to the entry to the apprenticeship. In the he area. was, yeah. It was his uncle, uh, who was a foreman, if that's the word, at Juverna Press, just off Lippy Street, who got my father in mm-hmm. to, to serve his apprenticeship, and my uncle Jackie, who went on to be a printer in uh, Guinnesses. But... Um, my father then, you know, he went on to teach in Bolton Street. And then when Anko was set up in the early, in the mid-60s, he was one of the first people in there. And they set about modernising the whole apprenticeship system. So it went from seven years, which was the, the time since medieval times, to four, to four years. And it was proper block, block release for the apprentices. And they were, uh, it, it was just brought up to the, you know, up to the 20th century. It, it, it kind of seemed to jump from, you know, a 600-year period into the 20th century. So my father was involved in that. He was very proud of that. Very proud. And he was he was kind of obsessive about print as well, wasn't he? He'd be, he'd be looking over I, his shoulders. Uh, he loved it. I mean, uh, you know, he wasn't a printer when I was a... a he he might have been when I was a, a baby, 
he, he yeah. gave it up. One of the reasons he gave it up because he didn't want to work nights anymore. He worked for the Independent, and he didn't want to work nights anymore. But he liked, I think he liked the teaching. And the, in the registry book, uh, in my primary school, he's described as a vocational teacher. <laughs> but uh, he loved the whole world of print. And, you know, there were even times I'd be reading a book and he'd look over my shoulder and tell me what the font was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and all I wanted to do was like, <laughs> go uh, away, leave me alone. <laughs> I, you know, I don't care what the, <laughs> what the font is. I just want to read the story. But yeah, and, he'd, you know, he'd take, you could see him, he'd take down a book and just look at it, you know, look at the font. And the very last day out I had with him, we went to the print museum just before his, his health began to decline. Right. And we had a great time. I had a great time watching him uh, as he kind of went, went around the machines and just uh, gazed at them. You know, he was never very nostalgic. He kind of liked the modern world, but he could, you could see him. He was just absorbing his child, you know, his, his teenage years and his his time as a printer watching these machines. It was a brilliant, uh, it's a brilliant thing to have in me. head. a great, great memory. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And uh, you talk about the, the stories, you talk about the language and the turns of phrases that come out of the industry, Roddy, in your, in your foreword. Yes, I'm sure I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not a printer I'm not a printer myself, so I'm not going to start hanging them out for you there, pretending I know more than I actually do. Okay, do you know? So... <laughs> yeah, you're uh, on your own there. I'll give you um, your favourite story anyway. Is, one of your favourite stories, you say, is that Smashing the Glass Ceiling by Breed and Nathan. Yeah. yeah, because it's very much a world of men and then Breed and Nathan arrives, you know, and her story is great because she went as far up to the, as far as the Supreme Court and she's a born storyteller. So she's, you know, going through the, uh, through the if you like, the aisles of the Supreme Court in her, in her Marks and Spencer jacket yeah. to basically claimed the right to apply for any job within the printing trade. And she won. You know, 20 years she was at it. And it's, you know, that in itself is worth uh, celebrating, but she tells a really, really great story. You know, you can feel it almost like a film or a good television series as you're reading it. But so, yeah, she did smash that particular glass ceiling. Yeah, and, and you know? these are the kind of stories that would nearly lost in this in this kind of like... A uh, this world of print that exists in Ireland. Uh, Roddy, Fighting Words, tell us about Fighting Words. Well, myself and Sean Love, a friend of mine, founded it. Uh, we opened up in 2009. Uh, it's largely for children and teenagers. You know, we tried to make creative writing as inviting and as doable and as uh, enjoyable as possible mm. and to try and present it as an alternative to school. Uh, away from exams and stress and homework and stuff like yeah. that. Something that they want to do. But we also work with other, we work with um, people in prisons, we work with people for whom, you know, if you like, the education system wasn't very kind. And uh, we've worked with groups of uh, retired uh, people. Okay. Uh, so we've got a great book about, about written by retired dockers. It's really, really brilliant. You know, the nicknames the doctors had for each other. I can't, it's too early in the day yeah. to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but it's a great, it's a great that, organization. That alone is worth the money. Yeah. And it's also a terrific book. I don't think musicians ever retire, but it's a book of, about, and written by musicians, you know, from the show band era, really, the yeah. kind of glory days of the, of the ballrooms and the show bands. And this one, then, the printer's book, is our, is our latest. And I'm 
we're launching it tonight and I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on it. And I'm going to gaze at it in the same way my father used to gaze at the book. Yeah, you should. It is a beautiful book. I want to come back over to you, Freddie, because one of the uh, things, one of the stories that Roddy says he really enjoyed is uh, your story, Pointing Fingers. Oh, yes. <laughs> can, you, yeah. can you give us a very brief... A very brief, this, OK. Yeah. Uh, when I was a second year apprentice, so I was about 15 years of age, mm. and I was in the afternoon, I went to Bolton Street as part of my training and into the job in the morning. And this morning I came in after being on Bolton Street the afternoon before and my foreman came over, Mr. Evan came over and he said, Freddie, I want you to do a job for me. Uh, don't go near your own machine, the Heidelberg Crown over there. There was an accident last night, yesterday evening. Please go over and wash it up and cover it up then and make sure all the, the beds, particularly where the type is, yeah. that's all cleaned and all. Uh, insurance company will be sending in an engineer afterwards. So I went over and I did it. And the uh, next thing, I pulled up the, the guard and here I find a finger with a knuckle and sinews. Oh and I was like, oh my God, nobody told me what had happened. You thought it was just ink you were going to clean up? Yeah, exactly. So I had a look around and I saw this man, big man, Albert Rose, across the way and I ran over to him. And I'd been a boy scout and he was in the bathing pools. He'd know what to do. I ran over to him and I said, Mr. Rose, Mr. Rose, listen, I'm about to find this on the bed. It needs to go to the hospital. And he just looked at me and he, he was about six foot three or four, yeah. big heavy man. And he just, boom flat out on his back on the ground. He fainted. And fainted, totally. <laughs> 25 years later, in the Irish Times, mm. I started up the press and there was a problem. I was driving the press at the time. And I saw the problem. And next thing, bang, I lost my finger. The same finger, the same hand, but a totally different body, <laughs> different thank body. God. <laughs> but the best part of, of it all was, uh, I had to walk off the floor, organised the first aid and that I walked off the floor because the guys wouldn't start up the press as long as I was on the floor I was the boss so okay. I went out and I sat in the steps and they'd rang for an ambulance ambulance arrives right and uh, I walked down to the ambulance anyway and the vans and lorries are still blocking Fleet Street because the papers hadn't started up again after the accident on the press mm -hmm. so uh, the ambulance guy the paramedic said to me uh, lie down on that stretcher I said I'm not lying down I have a pacemaker and all that and I I said, it's difficult for me if I sit up. I'm okay. I have a belt around my hand, stopping the bleeding. So let's go. And he says, all right. And I sat in this one. I didn't lie on the stretcher he wanted me to lie on. So with that anyway, the driver hops out, closes the door. Hee-haw starts. And as the ambulance took off, the stretcher I was to lie on went flying out the back door <laughs> into, the middle of, into the middle of Fleet Street at one o'clock in the morning. And you want to hear the cheer. <laughs> they cheered the guys he's back he's back he's back <laughs> give, like, give him a knockdown as they say <laughs> exactly uh, yeah. it also yeah. highlights the dangers of the job as well oh yeah uh, some of the dangers it's, it's, it's a badge of honour Oliver a badge of honour sorry badge yes, of, I'm, yes, a real, sorry. I'm a real yeah. printer I'm not like these compositors I'm a real printer <laughs> back over to you Harry because um, you spent like, all of us have spent the time enjoying Con Houlihan's uh, columns especially coming up to a GA weekend but it wasn't the easiest gig was it bringing in Con, Con Houlihan's no, um. no. Uh, just before I answer that, I, oh, yeah. I, I made a mistake earlier and I said President Mary McAleese opened. It was actually Pre President Mary Robinson in 1996. Well, uh, just a, a slight slip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Con stone men are kind of going, yeah, that's what they do all the time. What would you expect from a yeah, comp? Yeah, There's no, yeah. no printer to check it. Yeah. Uh, Con Hoolan was a legend, probably the finest sports writer Ireland ever had. He yeah. could paint a picture with words and he had a column every uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday in the 
the on the back page of the evening press full length double column 20 inches uh, of of uh, sport and his view of sport and he he really was a wonderful man yeah. having said that his writing was appalling he used to <laughs> his write handwriting handwriting <laughs> yes he used to write he never n- none of his stuff was ever typed mm. um but he would write it, a, a, a paragraph to a single page, sort of a 10 by 8 page uh, of newsprint, and he'd scribble out a paragraph. And when I started setting cons uh, stuff, it was like trying to decipher old hieroglyphics. But as you got used to it, you become your brain and your eye would become sort of attuned to his writing, you know, and it was easy enough to do it. Con was a beautiful man, a lovely man. He, he died in August 20. 2012, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody, did anybody be before him or since who had the status or the ability to write sport sporting articles like Khan. But he also did theatre reviews and he also did an arts column as well called Tributaries once a week in, in the paper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it was great. And, and obviously the sub-editors then, uh, the importance of them, and that's a trade that uh, has, is really fizzling away. And as so many, uh, so many bits and pieces of this trade are kind of all disappearing. Yeah, yeah. But that's the work of the National Print Museum, isn't it, to keep all of these stories alive and the keep, idea behind keep, the book? It is, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. keep uh, the old systems alive for as long as possible, the old equipment, the old machinery, to keep it working and to show people how it, how, how it operated in those days, years ago. One There's of go- the problems we face in the print museum now is that like the industry, the letterpress industry, the hot metal industry, that's a dying, it's nearly gone except for the Renaissance now with the artists and people like that yeah. and the museum to keep yeah. this alive. We're the last, the last men standing. Right. Uh, three of us printed a proclamation, Alf and Billy and myself, and the two of them have passed away. Vinny Caprani's passed away. Explain so, the, the, the printing the proclamation thing. because it's, right, there was, uh, In 2016, we printed a replica copy copies of the proclamation very successfully on a machine we have in the museum that Wharfdale, which is similar to the one that uh, was used in 1916 to print the original, right? Which is one of the great stories of well, printing, it's, it? a, it's a great story and it's amazing the number of people though, when they come along and they see the machine there. We actually printed uh, 100 copies on very special paper and we invited Whoever bought a copy went and went on online and immediately sold out within days of whatever. course. Yeah. And people from Australia, America, it was unbelievable. And anybody who bought a copy, and we're trying to raise money for the museum as well. And anybody who bought a copy got an invitation to come on the day to see the replica copy being printed to the hour of the centenary. A hundred years later on our machine and we printed it and it was um, absolutely amazing to see all that the museum was full. We're actually still, believe it or not, Oliver, we're still selling copies. We have copies in the museum that we're still selling, not on the special paper. right? Okay. And people are still... Still looking for them. And are still so, looking for them and look, still buying them. It's absolutely amazing. And, and thanks a million, Harry Havlin and Freddie Snow, for, um, you know, revisiting and, and honouring this, this amazing craft. Because it was a craft, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, oh, sorry. We ha- there, is someone on the, there is someone on the line. OK, we, we're going to go to someone. That we've Monica's on the line. Um, Monica, good morning to you. 
How are you, Oliver? Good morning. Very well, thank you. We don't have a huge amount of time, but tell us, it's something you're related, or you have some connection to Freddie's finger story, is that correct? <laughs> yes, Freddie, I think it might have been my father's finger you found. It was... Oh! oh <laughs> you found the finger. Jimmy, George, God, oh, oh, I don't God. believe well, you. I'm not sure. My poor dad lost his, his finger in a, in a machine in Doran's. In, no. uh, early eight, in the early 80s. No, this was 1963, I can this, assure you. Oh, <laughs> the oh, guy's oh, name was Jimmy, and it was in Hades oh. in the East Wall, Monica. So oh, okay. Monica, well, there were so many fingers probably, flying around. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I just sent in a text. My grandfather, father, uncles, cousins. I still work in Typecraft. It's a family business. And uh, with my brothers, my cousins, my nephew. So we're still all at us. That's so, great. That's great. That's great. Yeah, Robert, yeah. Robert Healy. We, uh, my, uh, Dorans. Bill, Dor- uh, Dorans, 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 yeah, yeah. 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 He knows yeah, them as well. Yeah. I do, I know. I sold printing ink for five and a half years. I know everybody. Monica, thanks a million for phoning in. And uh, to, to get to the important bits, there, there's the, the Print Museum, obviously, a guided tours, Tuesdays, to Fridays, 12pm, Saturdays at 1pm. For families, there's encouraging booking for family-oriented tour times. That's Tuesdays, Fridays, 2pm. Nationalprintmuseum.ie. Strange types and odd sorts, a peek into the world of print in Ireland is being launched this evening. Roddy Doyle, I think, is still on the line maybe still there thanks a million Roddy and thanks uh, to you're welcome thank and you thanks, I really uh, enjoyed that absolutely amazing and uh, when's the next book out Roddy uh, September next year oh September next year take and, it easy but I've, sure. a, I've a version of Peter Pan set in Dublin going on in the gate at Christmas Oh, you've, oh, really? You've got a Peter Pan yeah. in the gate going out this Christmas. Okay, very good. No yeah. printing involved there, but keep them in mind, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah put it available. No, no, <laughs> no, uh, no, no printing, but lots of fairy dust. Yeah, okay, very good. Well, good luck with that. And keep in mind uh, Kelly Volume 2, because it was a phenomenal book last year, and we're all watching Kelly, who's going to be a double Olympian next year in Paris 2024. Listen, Freddie Snow Oliver. and Harry Havlin, thank you both very much for coming in. We have to go and take... I know you do. Oh, before we go, we'd like to say thanks very much. Harry and I would like to present you with this copy. Ah, I know you have another copy. This is special one. Upstairs, yeah. I'm very, very very pleased with that. It is a gorgeous book. And thanks a million and good good morning to you. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Back after this.